welcome, and join me as we venture forth into the tumultuous saga of the Astartes. These narratives are a complex tapestry woven from myriad threads, stories passed down through the ages, intricate webs of myth and legend, stark historical accounts tinged with the bitter taste of betrayal, and the omnipresent propaganda of the Imperium. In the fading light of the 31st millennium, the furious blaze of the Great Crusade simmered down to mere embers. Upon the alien world of Olinor, the Astartes waged a brutal war on the Orc Empire. Among them, the Lunar Wolves, the spear tip of the Astartes, had carved their name into history with blood and steel. This war was not one of political maneuvering or advanced weaponry. It was a visceral clash of ideology and primal brutality, waged against the savage orc race. Towering orc constructions loomed over the desolate battlefield, seemingly bound together by nothing more than scrap metal and the crude psychic force known as the War. In a twisted echo of the Mechanicum's devotion to the Machine God, these crude engines of war were fueled by the orcs' sheer lust for battle. This fervor juxtaposed sharply with the enlightenment of the Emperor's imperial truth, held high by the Astartes, though their superior weaponry was similarly maintained by the mysterious pseudo-religious rituals of the Adeptus Mechanicum. In this theater of blood and grime, the Lunar Wolves displayed their prowess, every super-soldier a testament to their Primarch's gene seed. The favored son of the Emperor Horus himself guided the Legion, positioning them at the vanguard of the Crusade. With the newest Mark IV armor and Terminator suits at their disposal, the Lunar Wolves were the first to engage with lost civilizations, the first to shine under the spotlight of fame and envy. Yet, unbeknownst to them, they were sowing the seeds of their eventual downfall, leading to a schism that would necessitate a complete reformation of the Astartes' structure. With Olinor subdued, the Lunar Wolves turned their gaze towards the fringes of the Imperium, the far-flung stars where wayward human civilizations clung to existence. They found themselves drawn into a vast empire governed by a pretender to the Emperor's throne. Horus, however, wished to steer his legion away from a bloody war. He saw the twilight of the Crusade on the horizon, foreseeing a future of diplomacy and peace. The Lunar Wolves, notorious for their spear-tip assaults, had to learn to temper their inherent violence for the inevitable change. On Darwin, a world dominated by a false emperor, the Lunar Wolves were once again called upon to enforce the Emperor's will. Despite their desire for a peaceful transition, they were thrust back into the carnage they were all too familiar with. Historical accounts suggest that in this age, the Astartes were not ignorant of the taint of chaos, having fought the corrupted psychers and planetary infestations that it bred. They knew the dangers of the warp and the vulnerability of those who dared to navigate its treacherous currents. However, it was during this time that the corrupted Blade of Chaos carved a fresh wound into the Lunar Wolves' history. Captain Loken, newly appointed Mournville Council member to Horus and commander of the Tenth Company, bore witness to a brother's fall. Xavier Duval, once a trusted brother, fell prey to the insidious influence of Chaos. It was in the shadow of the Whisperheads, a bastion held by fanatical defenders rebelling against the Imperium, which Duval's fall would send shockwaves through the Astartes, revealing a dark secret that had been hidden from them for centuries. 
The Lunar Wolves had descended upon the Whisperheads like avenging angels, equipped in their newly minted Terminator armor. Their fellow Astra Militarum Imperial soldiers had faltered against the enemy for weeks, taking heavy casualties as they had fought for every inch of the battlefield. The Astartes had extinguished the lives of the 978 defenders in a mere 68 minutes without suffering a single loss. It was a grim reminder of the vast gulf between them and the beleaguered Astra Militarum soldiers. Yet even amidst this victory, a sinister whisper echoed in their minds, Samus is the man beside you. Samus is death. It was a voice that could be heard over the comms to all those on the field. It was clever tools of propaganda deployed by the enemy, Loken had assured his fellow brothers. And yet doubt seeped into his mind as his entourage, those not linked into the communication system, could hear the voice echoing in their mind. Samus is coming. Crackling over the comms was fellow brother Astartes Duval, a man seemingly lost in hallucinations, his voice hauntingly disconnected from reality. Over the Vox channel, Duval's voice was a spectral whisper, speaking of things unseen, and echoes of a voice which they could all hear worming its way into their thoughts. Samus is speaking, he muttered over and over again. Loken ordered him restrained, yet in that moment Duval raised his bolt pistol. I am Samus, he proclaimed, his voice full of a power not his own, and unleashed a salvo of rounds into his fellow Astartes. The rounds punched bloody cavities into their armored chests. Skulls exploded into a gory cloud of red and fragments of bone. Astartes fell one after the other, brothers cut down by their kin. This was not just a violation of law, but a shattering of sacred bonds. It was a moment that would reverberate through eternity, a horrifying spectacle of brotherhood torn asunder. Still, even as the gravity of the unthinkable unfolded before them, None of the remaining brothers moved to restrain him. Loken, gripped by determination, lunged at Duval, even as the rogue Astartes continued his deadly fusillade, his bolts biting into ceramite and flesh alike. Loken met Duval with all the strength an Astartes could muster, each strike capable of ending a mortal life. Their power armor groaned and chipped under the ferocious impact as they grappled for supremacy. But Duval, fueled by an otherworldly strength, could not be pinned. He threw off his would-be restrainers, sending them sprawling like discarded toys. Their blades met in a maelstrom of raw power and violent intent. Duval fought as though possessed, forcing Loken to adopt a desperate reactionary defense. The man he knew as a brother was lost to a monstrous aggressor, unmatched in his frenzy. Their grim ballet of war continued until Duval, in a triumphant roar of I am Samus, plunged his sword into Loken's shoulder, but it was a pyrrhic victory, for in doing so, he presented an opening to Loken. With a grim set to his jaw, Loken drove his sword through Duval's chest, the point erupting from his backplate. Samus is done, Loken spat, his words a bitter elegy to a fallen brother. The Lunar Wolves had been exposed to a dark secret and the ghost of a threat they had only begun to comprehend. As the echo of Duval's final words rang in their ears, they were forced to reckon with the reality of the darkness within their ranks. As the Great Crusade swept across the galaxy, the Astartes legions often served as vanguards, 
the spear tip that thrust into the heart of new civilizations long disconnected from terror. Just as often, they unearthed the decrepit remains of societies, their spark snuffed out by unknown calamity. Their duties varied as the worlds they encountered. Sometimes they were to confront giant bipedal lizard warrior species, who were ferocious as they were tough. On one occasion, they uncovered a sentient machine society. The civilization that birthed them, a forgotten whisper kept alive by the roaming AI left in the wake of their lost civilization. These machines were considered heresy and stamped out in a costly campaign by the Adeptus Mechanicum. On another occasion, Loken, council member to Horus and captain in the Lunar Wolves, led his Astartes through an intricate maze of subterranean habitats on a world long devoid of life. The only testament to its past inhabitants was a map of terror buried deep beneath the surface. It was an anachronistic artifact, showing a terror long lost to time. It held the echo of coastlines and mountains drowned in the relentless march of civilization. It provoked questions with no answers, all lost to a mysterious cataclysmic event. Despite the immunity to fear bred into his very genes, the unsettling absence of life and the inexplicable existence of the terror map stirred unease in him. Reeling from the horrors of the encounter with Zeva Duval, Loken sought the presence of the renowned Iterator Sindaman. Sindaman, a master orator, was revered across the Imperium for his insatiable quest for knowledge and his deep understanding of the human psyche. Are spirits real? Can a man truly be possessed? Loken found himself asking Sindaman, his voice barely above a whisper. Duval's transformation, the inhuman strength, the violence and the madness, the images haunted him and he needed answers. Zindaman looked at Loken, his gaze steady, eyes gleaming with a tranquil confidence. He dismissed Loken's question with a logical explanation. A malfunction of the gene seed, a debilitating disease that drove him to madness and violence, he offered. Zindaman's words were crafted to soothe, to dispel the terrifying possibility of the supernatural. But despite the iterator's conviction, Loken's disquiet lingered, a seed of doubt firmly planted. That seed would grow into a terrifying reality when they both bore witness to Duval's grotesque resurrection. The once proud Astartes, bound and grievously wounded, now stood as a mutated abomination, his humanity ravaged by the warp's touch. His form expanded and twisted in ways that did not make sense, as he seemed to flicker within the spectrum of reality, his flesh bloating and rotting and his eyes became pools of blood. Loken emptied his bolter into the monstrous entity Duval had become. The deafening sound of ninety bolter rounds from fellow brothers nearby tore through the silence, their deadly song matching the grotesque dance of death that was Duval's final moments. They burned the remains, ensuring that the nightmare was truly over. Yet the night's revelations weren't over. Horus, the Warmaster himself, shared the bitter truth with Loken, a truth known to the Emperor and a select few, of the warp and the grotesque entities lurking within its depth. Loken's mind, already stretched to its limits, grappled with the new revelation. This was the universe's dark secret, a secret he now shared. The Great Crusade, he realized, was not just a war for reuniting humanity. 
It was a war against the nightmarish entities that lurked in the shadowy corners of existence, and it was a war they could ill afford to lose. Lucan had stood face to face with the abominations of the warp, the ghostly specters that invaded the minds of unshielded psychers, yet his experience had never extended beyond that. Horus, his countenance unreadable, echoed Lucan's sentiment. There is a stark truth, Lucan, he began. None can claim to truly understand the warp, not even the Emperor himself. We exploit the warp, harnessing it as a conduit between the stars, but it is so much more. It teems with potent untamed energy, neither good nor evil but raw and primordial. The warp births apparitions, demonic specters that suggest an archaic cosmic scheme, one formed by gods and the supernatural. But we Astartes have cast off the superstitious shackles that once bound humanity. We see these warp spawn not as spirits or demons, but as echoes of a realm we scarcely comprehend. These are not new threats, but simply old fears cloaked in alien form, intrusive entities that impinge upon our reality in ways we struggle to fathom. There are no gods lurking in the void, no malevolent overseers, no absolute evil. The cosmos is too sterile for such melodrama. All that exists are aberrations, and we must erase them just as we do any Xenos threat. Horus's words were said with conviction, an ironclad belief that left no room for doubt. He explained how the warp was close to the surface of the planet, crafting myths and legends of ancient horror. The warp was let loose, and you paid the price. Dubal was vulnerable, his anger leaving gaps for the warp to exploit. Samus was a voice from that realm, anchoring itself to the flesh of Xavier. There was a warp storm just before the incident. The data is undeniable. Why is so little known about the warp? Loken found himself asking, his voice barely more than a whisper. Because so little can be comprehended, replied Horus. In the twilight hours of the Great Crusade, the Remembrancers joined the Astartes legions at the spearhead of war. These sanctioned historians, scribes of the cosmos, were entrusted with the task of etching these pivotal epochs into the bedrock of history, creating glimmers of truth within the murky depths of the Imperial narrative. They were viewed by the Astartes with trepidation, perceived as bureaucratic encroachment and harbingers of changing times. However, it was through their records that the Astartes were revealed as individuals, each with their own idiosyncrasies and strengths, some humorous, some stern, some renowned for their swordsmanship, others for their mastery of the bolt gun. They were more than weapons, they were individuals, and this humanity would soon prove to be both their greatest strength and most profound vulnerability. Among the distinguished individuals accompanying the Great Crusade were the Iterators, masterful orators and skilled persuaders. They spun narratives of propaganda, broadcasting the imperial truth throughout the farthest reaches of the galaxy, bolstering morale and propagating the Emperor's divine mandate. As per the instruction of Warmaster Horus, these iterators were also entrusted with the education and guidance of the Astartes during the expansive voyages between worlds. The process of becoming an iterator was even more demanding than that of an Astartes, where one in a thousand might be physically and mentally robust enough to withstand the integration of flesh and bone into armor, only one in a hundred thousand could aspire to the intellectual and rhetorical prowess demanded of an iterator. Among these exceptional individuals 
One name stood apart, Sindeman, primary iterator of the 63rd expedition. Revered by all, it was said that even the Emperor held him in high esteem, entrusting his guidance to his favored son, Horus. It was in Sindeman's discourse with Captain Loken of the Lunar Wolves, a trusted confidant of Horus, that we glimpsed the true individuality of the Astartes. In a secluded exchange, Loken, already troubled by the increasing influence of the Lodges and the insidious tendrils of chaos, was provoked by Sindeman to reflect upon his place within the Imperium. Loken confessed, as a warrior, he was a man of conscience, driven by unwavering faith in the Emperor and his cause. Yet as a weapon, he was devoid of conscience, existing only to kill until instructed otherwise. In these times of bloodshed and savagery, he didn't question, for a weapon had no need of such faculties. However, Sindeman urged him to remember that a time of peace would follow the war, and warriors like Loken must be ready for a galaxy in which a weapon would not be enough. Such was Horus's optimism, and the task he set for Sindeman. Yet the peace that was promised seemed a dwindling fantasy, and many brother Astartes believed that the Imperium was destined for the eternal night of war. Sindeman left Loken with a final musing. When empires defy us, it is necessary to bring down the Imperial Fist upon them, and the Astartes are indeed the armored gauntlet of this force. However, we must not forget that the Fist can also be an open hand of friendship. Sindeman leaned closer to Loken, whispering, We are mighty because we are just and not the other way around. Never forget that. These words of caution echoed a bloodstain on the Imperium, a time marred in secrecy known to few, in which the Thunder Warriors which came before the Astartes were wiped out, because they could only be a fist, but never the open hand. Deep within the gargantuan bowels of the Astartes war vessels, secret meetings were held, veiled under the guise of lodges. These clandestine gatherings were not sanctioned by the Emperor, and the Primarchs who were aware of their existence merely turned a blind eye. Loken, however, was disturbed by these secret councils. A bitter taste filled his mouth at their mention. For him, they were a malignant growth nestled deep in the heart of every legion, a cancer that could prove deadly. Yet, he had discovered that even in his own company, many members, from Astartes to those at the very top of the Warmaster's Council, belonged to these lodges. His comrades of the Mournival, also clandestine attendees of the Lodge, attempted to placate him. They described the Emperor as a figure so far removed from the human experience that he could not comprehend their need for brotherhood. They spoke of their aspirations, their doubts, which they could express as equals within the Lodge without fear of punishment or retribution. They proclaimed that the Lodge maintained the Legion's pulse, promoted understanding across the ranks, and ultimately made them formidable in combat. The Mournival spoke of the Lodges as ancient institutions, predating even the Unification Wars, where Astartes could share stories without the formalities and hierarchy that their service demanded. Loken felt a wave of uncertainty wash over him. He had misjudged this thing, but the nagging concern remained. He feared the secrets they might be willing to keep when bound by loyalty to their clandestine brotherhood and shielded by darkness free from the cleansing scrutiny of open discourse, especially after what he had seen with Dubal. And so, 
As this chapter of the Astartes Legion came to a close, Loken knew, he felt it in his bones, that these lodges were a hidden danger, a silent storm gathering beneath the clear skies of unity, a looming shadow threatening the very foundation of their brotherhood. But little did he know that from these lodges, chaos would seep into the very fabric of the Astartes Brotherhood and bring the Imperium to its knees. To be continued.